Our leader for tonight is Lynn. Okay, Donna, go ahead and start the slideshow. Y'all, I'm going to have her pause it if I want to talk about a particular picture or if I want you to see my face at some points, I will want you know, to see how I'm feeling. So Donna, go ahead and start the slideshow. And my name is Lynn. I'm a compulsive overeater and a binger and a food addict. And then I have to watch out for anorexic tendencies. My story is full of a lot of bumps and missteps, confusion, backsliding, stubbornness, willfulness, mistrust, and defiance. I learned as I went along. Every time I hit a roadblock, sooner or later my higher power would show me the way out. I just kept coming back. I will share with you as much as I can. If your road is bumpy, just keep coming back. All that you are experiencing now will be useful to others who are suffering as you have. Really, I am so willful and stubborn and prideful. And if I can do this program, anyone can do it. But I have to remember, I need the higher power of my understanding. And all of you working our program, sharing with me and listening to me and helping me along the way. This is a we program, not an I program. We cannot do it alone, but together we can. To qualify, I began practicing the 12 steps 34 years ago, and the last 14, I've been practicing in OA How. My recommitment abstinence day is November 15th of 2014. By the grace of God, I've released between 155 and 163 pounds that I maintain, and it's been nine years this month. Shows you there's higher power work in my life. There's no way that I have ability to do that. I've worked all the way through the 12 steps nine times. Seems like a lot, but it's been, you know, 35 years. People ask me what I think the most important thing is for success in recovery working the OA program. In my opinion, Number one is working with a sponsor you can trust who you will stop arguing with and listen to and try the things he or she suggests. Tied for number two, in my opinion, are working the steps all the way through and using the nine tools of recovery as handrails for working the 12 steps. Number three, working all the tools thoroughly every day. That is what has worked for me. I have a serious illness. I spent a lot of time making it worse and worse and worse. And I need to work a strong program. For example, making at least three calls every day in addition to calling my sponsor really pays off when I'm in danger because I've built the habit of picking up the 50 pound phone instead of the food. So let's try an experiment about that. How many calls are each of you willing to make tonight or it's getting late, so tonight or tomorrow? How many calls are you willing to make? Put the number in the chat if you're on computer or iPad or, or whatever. If you are calling in on a phone, hit star nine and it will raise your hand so that you can be counted. And then I would like a volunteer who's willing to total up those numbers for us and tell us at the end of my talk. Oh, so this is a commitment. If you've said how many calls you're willing to make, it's a commitment. So if that's a difficult thing for you, 
call or text someone after you've done it, and then you'll know that you did it. Okay. Parts of my story are difficult, even graphic, and hard to tell, and they may be hard to hear. But many of us with serious food addictions and compulsions need to talk about what happened. So I will share my story with you, and I hope that will give you courage to say what happened to you. I was born in 1951 in the Midwest to a strict German Catholic family, and it was spare the rod and spoil the child. I suffered abuse on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, sexual, and spiritual. I'm the oldest of eight children, and I tried to protect my little brothers and sisters. I did get in the way of a lot of beatings and shamings, but of course, I was not able to protect them 100%. This is still very sorrowful for me. My father started molesting me when I was under one year old, and he started raping me when I was five years old. One time during this abuse, I, I died and I saw Jesus and angels and Jesus had a crown with, with jewels coming to take me. But then I, everything went black and I woke up you know, in pain on the floor in our home. I, I must have told my father about Jesus coming and my father said, Jesus would never come for you because he knows what a filthy, disgusting little girl you are. And if your mother ever found out, she would know too. Well, I'll tell you after that, I would never have tried to tell my mother what was happening. A young child can handle or process, cannot handle or process severe abuse. So my mind did a process called dissociation, which parts of my mind split off. Uh, different ages, one, three, five, seven. And I gotta tell you, it's been difficult living my life with a lot of parts of me being one year old and three year old and five year old. At seven, I had a tonsillectomy and I gained 20 pounds that next year. That's way too much for a seven year old and that began my long history of be being overweight. I remember being embarrassed, shopping in the chubby girls, you know, department being picked last for sports, being made fun of. And then when I was older, things that totally made me want to die, like breaking toilet seats. Food was controlled as a child, except when my father took us to smorgasbords, and then we were supposed to eat enough to make up for whatever he paid. And so then that was my first experience of binge eating, eating as a young child. At 16, I got my first job, and then I had money of my own that I could spend. We didn't get allowances or anything, so I didn't have money to spend on food when I was um, growing up. But I did when I was 16. I did spend some money on food, but I was interested in clothes and boys, and so I tried every fad diet that came along. This continued through my teens, college, and young adulthood. I did damage to myself with yo-yo dieting, and one in particular was mostly large amounts of fruit and I think that's where I got hypoglycemia that I still suffer from. Diets worked until they didn't. I, I lost weight on diets, but I always gained back what I lost plus more. I probably lost and gained 60 pounds 
10 times or more. But after a while, diet stopped working. I could not lose weight. I could not stop overeating. And my life was spinning out of control. My first marriage in my late 20s ended badly. I separated and moved from LA to Orange County, where I rented a room from a friend of a friend. I took temporary jobs and then I chose a permanent job, the one with the most fast food restaurants on the way home. That is literally how I picked the job. I continued overeating for emotional reasons and the more I used food because I did not know how to do with my life, the worse my disease of compulsive overeating got. I was overeating if I was happy or sad, being taken advantage of, bored, relaxing or stressed as a reward or a punishment or for no reason at all. After eight years of loneliness, puzzling, issues at work and in relationships, and lots of overeating, we wanted children and I knew I had a bad temper and I didn't want to pass on the abuse or to hurt my husband or our children. So I went into therapy for anger management, but I didn't improve. So the psychologist suggested hypnotherapy. He thought there may be something underneath my anger and I didn't know what it was. That was how I first found out I had been molested as a child and began recovering my memories that were repressed. And that was 34 years ago. I came into OA as a suggestion of my molest therapist. Actually, she thought codependency was my primary addiction, but we didn't have a coda up here in the foothills at the time. But OA members kept saying to come back, do not leave before the miracle happened to me. And they would love me until I learned to love myself. And by some miracle, I believed them. I, I think because I was using food to not kill myself because I couldn't handle what my father had done to me. Um, I, I really couldn't, I, I, I tried really hard not to overeat, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop. So I continued working the steps with my sponsor. And it did take me maybe two, three years before I really had any physical recovery. I would try things. I heard members say that they did, like kind of an extreme example was one of the OA members at the meetings told me to, that if I was overeating something and I threw it away, then throw coffee grounds on top of it so that I didn't go in the garbage and continue eating it. So I did that, but I went in the garbage anyway and brushed off the crumbs and ate the food, even still with some coffee grounds on them. I tried a lot of things to stop overeating with varying results. Don't go in the kitchen after dinner, write about it when I had a slip, call an OA member even in tears when I wanted to overeat badly, sit on my hands to not overeat, call an OA member every 20 minutes until I felt stable enough to get through the day, only grocery shop on a good day, stop and turn the car around if I was on the way to get junk food, be willing to have a good cry rather than eat over what was bothering me. And I learned, you know, we talk about the 50-pound phone, and I learned, and it's embarrassing to make calls, and especially if I was crying or had trouble putting a sentence together, but I learned, you all don't mind. That's okay. I can call like that. I can just say help, and you're there, and you help me through saying what I need to say. So we don't have to feel like we have to have it together to make some phone calls.
I learned to look out for mental thinking that always led to overeating. The very worst of was, I just don't care. Boy, I would soak it into the food. Another one, I'm fat anyway, so one more binge won't matter. I want it and I'm eating it. I had a bad day and I deserve it. I'll start over tomorrow. Everybody else is eating it. I ate to punish myself or someone else out of spite to show someone up. If someone commented on my weight or said something like, but you have such a pretty face, or you shouldn't be eating that, my attitude was, I'm going to eat this plus a whole lot more. I had a pattern of cravings that got stronger and stronger and stronger until I gave in. This happened over and over for several years. Then a sponsor suggested writing it out, no matter how strong the craving got. So I did it. And it got really, really bad until I was crying and screaming. But I refused to give in, and I actually sat on my hands and wailed. I learned that I'd been fanning the flames by giving in, and my disease would just keep making the cravings worse and worse until I gave in, because it knew I would give in. After that, my disease gave up that way of getting to me to overeat, and those intense cravings that got horribly worse and worse stop. Um, Okay, I lost 75 pounds on this progressive, I started doing a progressive food plan because I couldn't be absent. So after working on this progressive food plan, I lost 75 pounds. um, But bad things happened and I returned to the food. A couple of things that really helped me when I got down to 250 pounds from 313, I had a plateau and was afraid to lose more. My water aerobics teacher called around and found an idea that worked. She had me think of letting go of another two pounds only and not think that I had to lose another 90 to 100 pounds. Also, to recover from self-loathing and self-hate, one of my sisters suggested that I look in the mirror every morning and notice just one thing I liked about myself. This was very difficult, but very powerful. Another thing I learned was that the things that we hate and resist, we draw to ourselves. So hating my fat body and resisting looking at it and resisting accepting it was not good for my recovery. So I found things I could do at 250 pounds that I would not be able to do at 150 pounds, like hold a book on my fat roll on my tummy to to lift it up so I could read it, or wearing shirts that had really pretty landscapes or patterns or animals. Because when I was wider, you could see the whole thing, which you cannot now. Okay, another turning point was when I went to a nutritionist to evaluate my health issues and decide a food plan for me. That was so hard for me to do, to go to somebody and talk to me about my food. Another big step was when I asked someone to sponsor me who wrote down their food and committed every day to weighing and measuring. I thought that was prison at first, but it was so freeing. I had been thinking about food all the time, and it changed to just thinking about it once a day when I wrote down my food and committed it to my sponsor. But I still had trouble overeating, and most days by noon, I was off my food plan. So I said to my sponsor, 
I feel like I'm lying to you. And he said, make a list of five things you will promise to do before you overeat and make it a really good list because if you do those five things and you still overeat, I'm gonna ask you to do a list of 10. Well, so I made my list and you know what, it worked. The only time that it didn't work was when I didn't do it. When I said, I don't care, I'm gonna eat. Every time I did those five things, it worked. There's a similar approach described in our OA Daily Reader, Voices of Recovery, on April 16th, and it's Think, Pray, Act. And you all can read that, April 16th in Voices of Recovery. This was this time was when our son was little. Our, the cute little boy in the pictures was little. I did love and help take care of our son, as did my husband. But really, for me, food, food was more important. I still feel a catch in my heart saying this and praying and writing about this fifth step work with my sponsor, making amends to our son are among the most painful experiences in my recovery. I bottomed out at 313 pounds. Even though I'm five foot 10, my frame could not support that much weight and I could say I'd be one of those people you see like in Walmart going around in those big go-karts. I also could say I was slowing killing myself and I don't believe in suicide. Um, this is when I learned that, and really listened to my sponsor, that I wanted to be absent no matter what. And I had to learn what to do when the no matter what's occurred. So here are some things my higher power sponsors and other members showed me. My disease tells me convincing lies. Although when I really look at at them instead of blindly accepting them. They are ridiculous, even hysterical. For our topic today, start jotting down lies your disease has told you so we can share them. Probably this will cause hysterical laughter because really it's bizarre what our disease tells us that we believe. And sharing this with these with each other helps to take away the power that our disease has over us so that we just don't believe when we hear and we can recognize they are lies. Let's see, I learned to do praying and writing and sharing when I felt irritated or angry or judgmental. Often things would surface that I didn't know were bothering me, especially if I was upset about something else somebody was doing. Lots of times if I wrote about myself, I would see how I was doing those things and just didn't want to deal with it. Abstinence, no matter what means I have to pray about, share about, write about, work through everything that comes up. It, is this time consuming? Yes, but not as much as time as I wasted pursuing food and facing life rather than stuffing everything allows me to live as an authentic human being. I just love that ex expression. My life isn't perfect, but it is heaven compared to how I was living. About this time, I started to hear about OA How, and I'm willing to talk to anybody that's interested in that. It's a really interesting program for people who have a serious illness and want to recover and are willing to do some work. Um, a really tragic thing happened in our family, and my sponsor at the time told me to be absent no matter what, and I could call her at three in the morning, but she wanted me to eat. It was my youngest sister who, who died, and I went to help 
deal with her remains. It was painful and horrible, but I was abstinent the whole time. And I learned, if you can be abstinent during a really hard thing, then the next hard thing that comes up, it's not as bad and you can be abstinent. So I, one, one thing about back-to-back abstinence is we can make it through things like this quarantine. I totally would have been eating if it, if it weren't for how we practice back-to-back abstinence. Um, and I never want to be 313 pounds again. I just don't know if I have another relapse in me. And I don't ever want to be as miserable as I was. Um, I love being of service on the higher levels, which have absence requirements. I wish you could all have the amazing feeling of going to world services, to the WSBC conference, and being in the room among 180 absent delegates including our 17 trustees and all of the 11 region chairs helping OA progress worldwide. I felt so wonderful, so full of awe and joy, and I remember thinking how worth it it was to practice our program in back-to-back abstinence. What I gave up was so worth it. So some final thoughts about how I am today. It's wonderful most days to be free of the mental obsession with food and pursuing food. It's wonderful to be of service and pay back what's been given to me. A lot of the promises in the AA Big Book have come true for me. It is so great to be living my life as, you know, a a responsible, authentic human being. Being abstinent, working in maintenance at my go-away doesn't mean I don't have challenges. I have congestive heart failure, including bad swelling in my legs. I continue in therapy for PTSD and adult ADHD. God keeps working with me, removing my character defects. I continue running into roadblocks and have to pray and make phone calls and listen to my sponsor. And I not only work abstinence, but I also work second and third line of defense to protect my abstinence no matter what. A lot of this is taking care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and keeping in balance as much as is possible in all areas of my life. It is a lot of work and focus, but it is so worth it. My life and usefulness to God, myself, my family, and those who still suffer depends on it. Thank you, and spirit be with you in your recovery and for all you love and help and for all who love and help you.